to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. Well, it's been a little while since I shared a story from good old South Australia, but good things do come to those who wait. So my apologies, and the Adelaide beer drinkers, I hope you enjoy this one. Left Barrel Brewing is another of those cool little breweries that operate in the space that just intrigues me so much, the world of funky ferments. Once upon a time, this space was only occupied by a few small Aussie craft breweries, but these days the membership is growing and it is probably one of the most exciting parts of the industry right now. Why? Well, I think for many of us who are wannabe brewers, it's got a real element of education about it. There's so much that your average brewer doesn't know about the methods and the styles. And secondly, my personal opinion is that this style of brewing is really bridging the gap between the world of wine drinking and beer. And that has to be a good thing. It's these styles of beers that Mrs. Beer Healer and I can start to enjoy it together, which I really love. Well, with that long intro, I've told you nothing about my guest tonight, so let's just jump on in and he can do that for me. So welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, Left Barrel Brewing's founder and little bit of everything guy, Brad Baum. Welcome, mate. Happy to be here. So uh, yeah, no, looking forward to, uh, to answering a few questions and uh, having a good time. So Nice, yeah. nice. And it's uh, another graduate of the Stephen Nelson TAFE course in South Australia, am I right? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I wouldn't have said I was one of the very first out of that course, but um it was very much a shortened, a shortened uh, version of the course when I did it. So, um, yeah, I think it was basically three Saturdays and three Wednesdays. Oh, was that all it is? Oh, I, when I no, that's how it used to be. It, it's definitely extended now. Okay, so, um, <laughs> right. It was sort of like a basic, yeah. Because I thought this was like just a big introduction to brewing, sort of thing. Oh, that that's what this course was. So it was a, it was just a basic, um, yeah, three three Saturdays, three Wednesdays of theory, and then you brew on two of the Saturdays. And then you have a Saturday off, and then you come back and you bottle all your all the beers you've made. Um, but it was, um, yeah, no, it was just an intro to mash brewing TAFE course. But now the the big proper, I guess, when I say proper course that covers a heap more info over a, it's a substantial lot more of info. Um, yeah, that just is more advanced. So yeah, um, okay. But yeah, no, I was, so I guess I was maybe one of the guinea pigs on the on the shortened version of that course <laughs> that we're talking a few years ago but, now. But there are heaps of you that have actually done that route, haven't they? Yeah, well, I guess a lot of the, a lot of the guys and girls that are starting breweries now in in SA and and I guess interstate as well have have spent yeah significant weeks and months at TAFE in in SA. So yeah, nice. And nice. Stephen's uh, he's just an absolute guru. Knows everything about beer. So. Yeah, look, I've, I've spoken to quite a few Adelaide breweries on here, and his name seems to always come up. I've never met the bloke myself, but uh, he's probably someone I should get on as a guest at some stage. But uh, everybody speaks very highly of him, and uh, you know, say how willing he is to, you know, offer up his knowledge and his time and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, and no, I'd definitely be a um, might be a two or three part series for you, mate. He's got that much. To, uh... <laughs> he's a bit of a talker, is he? Oh no, I'm just thinking he'd. he'd um... <laughs> Lost to cover. He knows more than the he knows more than the rest of us put together, basically. Nice, nice. So, yeah, um, yeah. Got to say, shout out to a fellow left-hander tonight. That's that's great. I read that today that you're a lefty. Yeah. Yep, yeah, that's half the name. So yep. that's, that's where the left and left barrel came from. So ah, nice. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I guess our beers are a bit like left of centre. Left of centre pushing the yep. pushing the boundaries. So. Yeah. 
Um, when gel pens came onto the market, oh, that was just a magnificent thing for left-handers, I feel, because no longer will we be smudging all of our work as we're writing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, a bit of a left-handed joke. Um, That's hey, okay. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You've got this great little video I saw on your website today, which is really awesome. It shows you manufacturing the bar at the brewery. It's an absolute rimmer, uh, ripper, and I, um, I love, you know, the image of that old guy repurposing some of the old timber in the bar. Is that actually your old man that was doing that? Um, I'll have to probably see the video to remember which one it was, but Dad was definitely there helping me for Chiseling a Chiseling out that a deal. few bits and pieces out of the bar. Yeah. Yeah, no, that would actually, sorry, that would have been Dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, nice. So, so a bit of a family affair, was it, bringing that all together? Yeah, well, look, I guess when we built the tap room, um, it was a crazy time of life. So we, um, if you step back oh, 11 months, my uh, uh, we we're looking at various taproom locations um, after running, starting wholesale at home, uh, out of the shed, and yeah, we sort of signed up, signed up for a space near home in Balhanna as well. And then uh, it took eleven months for council to get us approval. So that was oh, that's never. All good. I've never heard of council delays on this chat room that's right, ever. That's right. yeah, <laughs> ever. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. But ironically, in that time, we finally got pregnant as well. So oh, the same Christ. week, the same week, my daughter was born. We got the keys to the tap room, so we had a very short period of time wow. under zero sleep, being a new dad, uh, yep. to to build a tap room and start selling beer to start paying rent. So, um, uh, all hands and on that, deck. Yeah, those last those last few days and weeks were pretty pretty hectic just to get it up and up and running in terms of you know having it ready and safe for the public to to access, enter, and, and try beers. So, yeah, that was a that was a hectic hectic few weeks um, in there. So you're pretty handy with with the power tools, then, are you as well? Yeah, I guess uh, as a well, I guess Dad taught me a fair bit of that in the shed at home. Yep. But um, but also, yeah, no, I guess being an engineer, love to love to build things, tinker. Um, yep. You, you've probably met and spoken to a heap of engineers that have become brewers or started breweries. So I don't know if it tends to tends to align nicely. So yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my dad's an engineer, but he's pretty shit at doing that stuff. <laughs> he didn't he didn't hand out a lot. To me, I had to learn it myself when we started uh, renovating our our first house. It's amazing yeah. what you can learn when you, as you say, shadow somebody. Um, I spent you know a year every weekend just hanging out with you know builders, carpenters, plumbers, roofers, just everything, just soaking as much as I could. I'm not saying that all of their skills transferred over to me, but I understand it and I know enough to be dangerous now. So yeah, it's great stuff. Yeah, that that does the fun part, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, sometimes dangerous, no little or a lot, but uh, yeah. Yeah, especially when it comes to doing electrical work, you know, and may, it's, maybe it's good to know a little bit, but also maybe it's probably not because you can still cool yourself here when you know a little bit about it. Yes. Um, yeah, before I'm doing anything that I may or may not do like that as well, it's definitely that the mains definitely goes off. Turn the whole house off. The, yeah, uh, I'm exactly it, the same. <laughs> exactly the same. Until that one time when I, I went away from a job, came back to it, and forgot to turn off the second time and shocked the sh- – I didn't shock myself, but red and black touched and it was like, oh, shit, oh, that's right, mains board. So wow. uh, that's Ouch. a lesson that uh, hopefully I'll never have to learn again because, oh, geez, that scared the shit out of me. Like it's almost like that, you know, your life flashing before your eyes kind of thing because you realise yep. if that hadn't have gone that way, uh, I'd have been dead. So We wouldn't be talking on this podcast. No, nah, trap for young players, but uh, I, I do digress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. So. Sorry to interrupt, just a couple of things you can do if you want to help spread this craft beer gospel. First up, Apple Podcasts. If you've got it on your phone, find the Beer Healer interviews, 
scroll all the way down to the bottom, rate, review, subscribe. That's the best thing you can do to help me out. Other than that, whatever podcast player you listen to this on, follow me or subscribe to me on that one. And then also find me on Instagram and follow me there. Thanks for your help. Just not taking the traditional route of uh, a normal interview, but uh, speaking of not taking the traditional route, nice little segue of mine. That's what I did there. Um, <laughs> you, you've taken that traditional route, I think, in terms of brewing, of taking that that hobby that you were so passionate about it, and then slowly but surely you've crept towards you know becoming a a pro brewer. Um, you know, maybe much like a a good bottle conditioned beer, I would say. So. Um, you're messing with more intricate beers these days, but what were you like back in the day as a home brewer? Yeah, so um, you know, I guess before Left Barrel started, there's probably close to 20 or well, approaching 20 years of yeah home brewing and, and all grain. So at the start, it was um, it was late uni days and it was certainly a, looking at a cheaper source of, uh, of, of alcohol <laughs> as you do as a, as a dirt poor student. So Home um, brewer cliche number one. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, it started. It started there with some uh, homebrew kit from Grumpies, who uh, used to have a homebrew store here in the hills until they sort of sold off and lost their pizza place, burnt down a little while ago, and that's getting rebuilt by another brewery at the moment. Um, but yeah, so start off there and sort of work your way through all your kits and kilos, um, and and then sort of touch touch with the Grumpies. They did a lot of. Um, of partials, but they didn't sort of call them partials. It was just like, here's a brew recipe, but here's a few extra hops and a few extra grains. And I mean, at that time, I didn't even realize I was doing a partial uh, brew. It wasn't until you stepped ahead to that TAFE course where it's like all grain. I was hang on, it's actually not that big a leap yeah. to from opening a, a can of goop um, to actually just starting with those raw four ingredients of, uh, of, of grain, yeast, hops, and, and water and making something real tasty. So, um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's possibly a similar story to, to many other people you've interviewed, but um, yeah, it's just a great hobby. Um, and I guess it grew from having a, having a few for myself to um, you yeah, know start share with mates and go to case swaps and homebrew homebrew groups competitions. Um, start pouring a few beers for mates for super, host Super Bowl parties and things like this. Oh, look at um, so good good things like that. So. Um, and then yeah, it was uh, my wife just you know kept saying, no, do you want to take this then take this to the next level?" And it's like, "Yeah, everything I've heard, there's no there's no money in beer, but uh, <laughs> you know, we could always give it a crack anyway." So, yeah, nice. Years nice. later, since we started Left Barrel, here we are. So. Yeah, yeah. And and what about the whole love of funky fermentations? How did, how did that sort of come about? Because <clears> sort of back when you were probably starting your your brewing twenty years ago, they probably weren't really. Quite so mainstream is what they not mainstream, but so popular as they what they are now. So, mm, how did you mm. fall in love with and then start to work at how the hell am I going to do this? Yeah, so um, I guess it started by trying to rescue some uh, one or two batches of beer that went bad. Um, Sounds familiar. So let's <laughs> let, let's let's throw some funk and some some souring um, bacteria at this and see if I can rescue it. Um, I learned I learned pretty quickly from that you certainly can't rescue a bad beer. Um, <laughs> it was it was still bad. But um, I guess it was that, yeah, wanted to, wanting to push the boundaries and doing, doing something different that uh, what everyone else was doing at the time. So, um, and yeah, I don't mind things a little bit sour here or there as well. So on the beers and and like you said, you excuse me, excuse me, so a few few you bubbles barrel from my uh, beers. Yeah, look, I'm uh, with you. Yeah, no, just enjoy a little pelicosis red here. So our, our barrel aged three year barrel aged red. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the um, 
yeah, you'd, you'd certainly go to the local bottle shops and so forth. And there was a fairly limited selection back then yeah. of of sours and, and imported. Um, you know, you you might find your your Grand Cruise and and roading back occasionally, but there wasn't a hell of a lot more out there. So, and probably anything that was was coming in back in those days wasn't really treated that well in the the trip from you know Europe out to here or whatever, and um, Quite possibly so yeah. probably wasn't the greatest beer, but somehow somehow it it lit a fire in you, it it sparked it for you. And um, yes, what about yeah. breweries? You know, had had were you reading up about breweries? Because I mean, the internet was obviously up and running. Um, you know, at least enough to be able to find out information by that stage, <laughs> thereabouts, right, I suppose. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I guess it was it was probably more. I guess with with my with the with the other training that I'd done through getting qualified in BJCP and 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 doing a whole heap of different homebrew, so I'd, I can still homebrew from 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 light lagers and and bison's, you know, th- through to strong box and um, imperial stouts and everything in between. So. Um, and, so, and a lot of the, the beers I've been releasing under the label have been my scaled-up versions of, of homebrew beers that I've liked. Um, so, yeah, in terms of, I guess there was a there was a range of styles there um, that I appreciated, understood, understood how to make those. Um, and so, when you're doing that, and then you start to work with just different yeast, you can, you know, you're starting to bring in something that's going to sour things. You, you you're going to want to bring the hops down. You need to bring the bitterness down. You still want something that's going to be it's going to be drinkable, balanced in the right way. So, um, so I guess there's that tweaking your own recipes and throwing in different yeasts, um, and that's on the souring side. And then we start talking about breads and things like that, where you're starting to pull in different flavors from your esters and a bit of funk coming through. Um, again, you're going to pull back those hops a little bit, but it's around, it's still around balance and having that drinkability. So, yeah. Um, so it was probably less, a little bit less reading up at that point in time on what others are doing. It was just. Um, yeah, carving out my own way. I wanted to do things really. So yeah, yeah nice. whatever funky yeast I could get my hands on, or or you might build up some bottle dregs from a from a beer that you like, and you yep. might throw that into something. See how that goes, sort of thing. So yeah, lots of lots of split batches. And I love that you beer. say that because um, you know a lot of people frown upon that, but you speak to other brewers in your space, they're like, oh fuck yeah, I, you know that's how you learn. That's that's how you. It's like tipping the cap almost to the person that came before you, and um, yeah. what a great way to just sort of you know. Great, great beer. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a perfect world, you've got you've got a you've got a lab with hundreds of different you know yeast yeast strains all sitting there ready to go. But uh, realistically, most of us don't have access to that. And certainly on a homebrew level, nah. um, I'd have slants of various yeast that I'd captured or, or grown up myself or bought and you know pull a bit off to the side. Um, but then, as you get, I guess you get a bit, bit bigger and certainly moving into that commercial space, you want to be pretty confident that what you're pitching's fairly pure and going to be doing the right yeah. things for you. So, Yep. And so you mentioned before, you know, when you're talking about this with your wife, sorry, what's your wife's name? Uh, Nada is my wife. So, yeah, Nada. So you and Nada were chatting about doing this thing and you said there's no money to be made in beer. <laughs> what then made you think that there was going to be market out there for this really, really pointy end type, type beer and you could actually make some money off it? Well, I'm still working full time as an engineer, so um, ah, okay. <laughs> that, so that it's self prophecy. Then is it? That's what they call it. <laughs> that hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, oh look, it was. It's funny when you when you start running the running the tap room. It's it's not necessarily just about the beers you want to do yourself. Yep. There still needs to be a uh, the commercial side of things. There, in my mind, yeah, you still, you know, uh, it'd be nice for me just to be serving Brett Brett beers and sour beers and other funky stuff. But you kind of need a pale ale there. You probably need a lager. Um, 
yeah, you need yeah, you need some some some, some base beers, I guess that, that that sit there. Um, but I never wanted to just start a brewery and um, and just just have a pale ale IPA, lager and stout on tap. That's um, there's so yep. many other breweries out there that do a great job of that. That um, that's that's not that I'd I wouldn't be able to compete in that space or just didn't see the point. I'd yeah. drink someone else's if I'm doing that. So yeah, yeah no, that's fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. So, yeah. Um, so back in the early days when you started the Gypsy Brewing, obviously you're still Gypsy Brewing these days, but it was pretty much – I've seen pictures. You literally would brew at a, a, ve- a venue, so Little Bang or someone like that, and then yeah. once the brew had cooled, you then throw it into a big cube and getting it out of there on the back of a ute pretty much, weren't you? Yeah, so early days, um, yeah, so I guess it was sort of semi-Gypsy Brewing um, because I was really only utilising the hot side, so I actually yes. – Yep. I mean, one of my early inspirations in terms of that jump to commercial was um, uh, now I'm having a mind blank. Geez, um, Gabe over at um, oh, come on, come on, uh, up in Canada, I'm having a mind blank now. Anchorage, Anchorage Brewing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so they do, you know, half half the year they're they're frozen frozen solid up there. But he's mm. he's got his massive oak photos and so forth. He actually started by renting some cheap floor space underneath another brewery. Um, and basically they drilled a hole through the floor, ran a pipe down, and he was using the spare hot side capacity of this brewery. So wasn't interfering with any of their fermentation, any of their tanks, but he was able to help that other brewery with cash flow because you're paying him to do hot side. Um, and then you're taking that word away, um, and then you can just do whatever you want with it. So um, I took some inspiration from that. Um, I've got a 6 by 9 shed here up in the hills at home. So nice. Uh, had a couple of 600 litre uh, semi conical sort of wine style fermenters yep. that I actually got off Little Bang as they upsized. Um, had them inside a little cool room. So, single skin, set the cool room temperature to your ferment tent. And um, <laughs> yeah, so basically 1,000 litres at Little Bang uh, into an IBC that's been sanitized, drive it up the hill. Sometimes I'd pitch the yeast beforehand in there. Um, other times, pitch it if I'm doing two different yeasts for the two, two, yep. two batches. Um, yeah, drive it up, back the ute in towards the shed, run the hoses, do all that. Um, I mean, the beauty of that is if the guys were brewing and they didn't need me in the brewery, I could be I could be engineering all day. Um, after work, uh, duck out to to Little Bang where the cubes basically sit on the back of my ute. Um, yeah, push bike from push bike from the city out to out to Stepney, throw it on the back, um, and then yeah, drive up the hill. About three <laughs> hours later, well, I say three hours later, it's like. 40 minutes up the hill and home, but, you know, another two hours of pumping and cleaning, yep. blah, blah, blah. So uh, made for a late night but um, and a long day. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, you know, it's what you do back then. Yeah, but and as you say. Reduce, I guess reduce cash flow to get into the game in, yeah. in many respects as well. Yeah, you're for not sure. Shelling out on, you're not shelling out a heap of money on a, on a on hot side plant, but you're also helping another brewery with a bit of cash flow there too. Yeah, and I, I guess in terms of that whole cash flow and, you know, trying to, trying to get into the game, what you were kind of doing was investing in the things that were right for your business model as opposed to maybe investing in the traditional brew model, you know, with all the stainless and that sort of thing, which is sometimes just expected as, as the done thing. But there's there's many ways into this game, isn't there? Yeah, there is. There is. Um, if you, yeah, it's, it's – and, and the, the numbers are phenomenal if you, if you really want to start and go big and, um, yeah, you start looking at – yeah. Just production volume, just to just to make things work and happen. Um, I don't think the plan was ever to get that big 
ever. Um, yep. I guess we'll get to the, the history of the, the, the tap room, which wrapped up for us, uh, what, six, seven months ago? So yep. Feb, January, Feb. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, you can, you can spend hundreds of thousands easily. Um, and not have much to show for it initially. Yeah. You've got a beautiful heap of stainless. You pay a, pay a heap of rent somewhere to, to, to place that that gear, um, and then you start making product and pushing it out. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough one because yeah, if you go full gypsy, you haven't got a you haven't got a home base. You're just talking volume and a lower lower profit margin. Yep. Um, as opposed to having a tap room space where at least you're going to start to get retail on your on your kegs, um, takeaways, things like that. So yeah. Yeah, I think is it. I think it's Bolly Rose in Collingwood does a similar thing to you as well. Yeah, I caught up with the guys. Um, Nick. Yeah, Nick was over for beer and barbecue, uh, which got this year's one got cancelled. <laughs> yeah. But last year's one got delayed till the start of this year in Adelaide, so they came over. Um, geez, I think they just missed the. No, I think they just got through the window. I had to do a quick test, and he was fine to get into, into the state for the old COVID. Um, and uh, now we actually set up. We actually set up next to each other. We we're doing sort of a bit of a collab, uh, collab bar that weekend. And um, he does some. I think he's still got a, a reasonable size kit at home base. For uh, don't quote me on this. It might have been five hundred. Might have been thousand liter yeah. batches. Um, but then he does some of his other beers, and certainly the less funky beers, the clean beers. I think he gets. You know, he's made under contract elsewhere. Yeah. But you're yeah. talking probably five thousand plus liters into cans, sort of thing. So. Yeah. Um, but then he's got plenty of staples of those core range. You can you can push out wholesale, have that at home base, but then do all your funky stuff at home, or do your crazy stuff in your in your barrels and your smaller fermenters. Yeah, I've also I've also spoken to Black Arts lately. You know, very similar sort of kind of thing to what all you guys are doing. To great people, there's so many good people in this. Uh, we call it the funky ferment sort of section of the of the industry. It's just so so interesting, and and I kind of feel like it attracts a unique character. To it as well because it's it is a little bit left of center yeah definitely i mean it's yeah opening up i guess looking to just to open up people's experiences on on what else beer can be um and part of your intro was talking about wine and certainly you know these barrel aged barrel aged golden sours reds um yeah i mean half the time they're spending time in those x wine barrels anyway so yeah um it's definitely starting to cross over and push the boundary of of where beer can get to, and and yeah. maybe you push I, into that wine territory. I, I love it. Just introducing my wife to this stuff because she's not a beer drinker at all. But mm-hmm. just of late, <clears> like on on Sunday afternoon, it was a beautiful afternoon here in Hobart, a rare one at this time of year. But it was beautiful, so we yeah. sat on the front deck and uh, cracked a, a dollar bill and yeah. a Van Diemen. Um, I forget, I forget the dollar bill one, what those details were, but she loved it. And then we cracked the one from Van Diemen, which was uh, Pinot grapes on oak, I think it was. And mm-hmm. you know, while she's not going to go and pick that from the fridge and drink it over the her, you know, her on her Clover Hill bubbles or whatever, you know, she at mm-hmm. least now can appreciate what I love about this and can start to sort of taste some of those tastes in that beer, and, and we can enjoy yeah. that together. Oh, I really love that. Yeah, it doesn't have to be. Um- yeah, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to kill people with 10, 15 percent alcohol or or an absolute plethora of hops that makes it taste like fruit juice. I mean, um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but um, yeah, this is. I guess this is going down another um, coming out of another tangent almost to a degree with those with those sours. So yeah, yeah. it's um, oh, it's it's 
it, it's 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 really good to be able to say, oh, this is actually a beer. You know, people, yeah, people crack it and go, oh wow, that wasn't what I was expecting. Um, and certainly, yeah, you can certainly see them as a not a gateway beer, but you know, you got these even your kettle sours and your, and your, your sort of your baby entry level sours. Yep. Um, certainly, the non beer drinker can definitely get into them. Yeah, uh, like now when she tries this, she she actually says to me. It feels a warm summer afternoon. I could really enjoy a whole glass of this, and I'm like, "Yeah, this is great." <laughs> so, it's, just, yeah, just spoiled with a few good, few very good sour, sour um, farmhouse breweries uh, in mighty Tassie too. With um, yeah, with uh, Van Diemen, two meter tall, and a few others floating around there. So yeah, it's uh, look just in general. You know, there's quite a few in Victoria now, a few out your way as well, and it's just starting to ex- explode. You know, yeah, um, it's it's really, really, really cool to see. Um, just back on the Gypsy Brewing for a second. How yeah. how many breweries are you currently brewing with, and like how many did it get up to there at one stage? Oh, it's um, oh, I can geez, off off the top of my head, rattle off. So, um, look, it's it's mainly been with Little Bang guys. Met met those yep. guys when they were just starting to. Look to expand out of their shed at home, and they're about to sign for their first tap room in Stepney. And obviously, what they've done has been phenomenal. Yes, um, yeah. A um, couple of great lads that now they employ- are the loosest guests I've ever had on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> they turned up cut one afternoon. It was hilarious. It was Does such that such sound like Phil and Ryan at all. <laughs> such good fun. Are, are they that loose in real life as well? Oh yeah. In, in short, um, <laughs> I think. But I think it'd be fair to say that. Um, Compared now to maybe five years ago for them, probably stresses are a bit higher. Yes, you're yeah, running, fair you know, you're, you're, you're running a big, serious business now. You know, you're talking millions yep. of dollars of stainless, um, 30-odd employees at least. It was my last count um, when I was down there. So, um, I mean, I, I actually did a full gypsy brew there because, Phil, I, I, as, you, as you do with um, engineers and mates rates and so forth, he owed, me a, he owed me a brew for some engineering I did for him. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that was this little... Um, Oh, this this Belgian dark strong. Um, oh, the Rage Against the Machine one, Renegade of Funk. Yep. Yes. So, um, uh, so that particular one was actually a full a full Gypsy. Um, we did there because he had some had some spare space in their tanks in between. Oh, okay. So full ferment and everything with that. Yep. Yeah, but to be honest, that's probably the the only time I've done that in Little Bag's tank, apart from Colab beers that we've done together. So. Yep. Um, yeah. So so I guess they're I see them as my big brothers still, and they're um. They're awesome, love everything they do. Um, passionate, yeah, so, very passionate. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, um, I've certainly done at least one or two batches at Big Shed as well, hot side, hot side only. Um, and just trying to think what else. I've certainly, we did a collab with Woolshed early on, so um, up in the Riverland. Yep. And and since closing my tap room, I've kept my tanks that I had. And I've actually got an agreement over at Sweet Amber Brewery in Regency Park. So... My, my bigger tanks are sitting there. My smaller yep. tanks are in the shed at home here. Um, yep. And so I can actually brew out there a certain number of times a year in exchange for free rent, so it's sort of win-win. Oh, nice, nice. Um, um, so, so at the moment I'm up to, what's that, four or five breweries? <laughs> it's hard, it's hard um, keeping track of all these uh, gypsy brewing mistresses. Yeah, but, um, yeah, so that's – I like still I think it's sort of pseudo, pseudo, uh, pseudo gypsy because – in the case of Sweet Amber, I Tough actually own the tank. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, I, yeah. I don't know what else to call it because because if I if I say contract, I feel like that's also got its own connotations. Whether the people think are, are better. like it's 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 a half it's a half chips. It's a hybrid left barrel 
don't know what it's the bloody hell way. I'm doing, but um, yeah, it's yeah. your way. It's working for it. Um, <laughs> so twice now you've mentioned that you've closed down the tap room, which I had no idea. What's the story behind behind that? Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, so we'd been, yeah, we. I guess uh, when when I chose the location for the tap room, uh, selfishly I wanted something near home, so up up in the hills. Yep. We looked at a few venues, um, and yeah, you look at all the numbers. Yeah, I should be I should be able to sell that much beer to um to to cover the rent and so forth. So, but it was pretty tight. Um, yeah, we had had one employee, um, and we're only open a handful of days, so yeah, we tend to, tend to only be open sort of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, and. Yeah, look, we I guess we just weren't getting the numbers. We just weren't getting the numbers of people through the door that I was hoping it would be. Um, opening weekend, it's all all, all grand, you know. You you packed yeah. both days, um, but uh, yeah, things things didn't. Uh, I guess the trajectory sort of flattened flattened down a bit, and certainly, yeah, it took a few hits with yeah, di- different events outside of control. You know, you throw bushfires in and things like that. It just yeah. it just sort of slows yep. the number of people up in the hills. Um, as our three year, uh, our first three years was coming up at our, at our venue, um, the, the might of COVID, uh, hit everything oh, everyone yep. as well. So we saw the numbers drop again. So, yeah, um, being realistically, being realistic, we saw that as a, as the, the smart opportunity to sort of lick our wounds. Yep. Strategic retreat. Um, uh, we, yeah, so I was still working full time for the whole, whole time. So, I'd, you know, I'd sneak in a few brews and a few shifts here or there, but, um, yeah. Certainly, probably burning the candle at both ends to a degree. My yep. lovely wife get reminding me of that. But when you yep. when you're in it, you don't see it. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's that's sort of the, the the history of it. So we were sort of there for three years, um, and come sort of January, February, yeah, made that tough decision, but basically had to call it because yep. um, we couldn't justify extending on the amount of rent that uh, yeah, the outgoings were enough. there. Com- yeah, compare that with yeah, just with with retail sales drying up. You do a little bit of t- you might do a little bit more takeaway online stuff, but um, yep. yeah, we're starting to bite hard. And and from an Adelaide SA perspective, we've actually gotten away with it lightly compared to a lot of other states. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. Coming from um, Tassie, so I'm, I'm hearing you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm not certainly sitting here saying um, "woe is me" or anything like that. No, but, no, no. Um, it's 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 the situation that we're all presented <laughs> in, and I guess what we did was the the the, the classic pivot line, I guess, and yep. um, yeah, sort of licked our wounds, strategic withdrawal. Kept most yeah, of the okay. equipment. We hadn't we hadn't overextended ourselves in terms of setting up the brewery and and had massive loans. Um, I and my own keg fleet, I and my tanks. Yeah, the business owes us some money. Um, it'd be nice to have that sitting on the offset of the of the uh, home loan. Instead, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but stainless isn't going down in value anytime <laughs> soon. So, <laughs> so we've got most of the equipment there. We sold off a few bits we didn't need, um, and now it's sort of that. Just, just sitting, keeping our toe dipped in the water with occasional releases, mm-hmm. brewing the beers I want to do, have a bit of fun still, um, yep. and just see where see where things take oh, us as the, as the years tick on. And <laughs> I've got questions yeah. bouncing around in my head so many times. I've got two or three ways I want to go with this, but I'm, I'm going to just draw a line in the sand very quickly and just pull you up on because I literally wrote down tonight burning the candle at both ends. So you're effectively trying to hold down two jobs You've also got a family, as we can see the uh, kitty toys in the background tonight. <laughs> um, it's tough, isn't it, when you when you're trying to you know do your your passion. You've also got to pay the bills with your your real job, if you like. Yep, um, yep. 
you just seem like you're you're always on. Did did it just come to the point where it's just like enough's enough for you? Look, um, I think the looking back, um, yeah, I was it was it was certainly tiring. Um, there was stress. There was stresses there that, um, I guess before I we might circle back to that quickly, but I know that um. I certainly when I was looking at starting up the brewery, I had a few other <coughs> brewery mates who asked, hey, do you need a partner and so forth. So I was like, yeah. no, I want to I do this on my own, at least to start with. So um, like my, my wife and I are 50-50 partners in the business. Yep. But she essentially, um, yeah, it's all yours, go for it sort of thing. So yep. um, I think we've got, you know, we've got a dollar share in the business each. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, in, in that regard, it was um, – yeah, you know, part, partly that um, wanted to you know run, run my own race. It, it's my baby. I want to run it the way I yeah. want to run it. Um, so yeah, we we had some we had one ca- uh, we had one casual employee, um, which helped on the day to day things, running running the tap room and so forth, which which freed up my time a little bit, which was good. But when you're running a business, it's always there. It's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. And that yeah, and when things are tight. Um, yeah, you you, you 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 think in the back of your mind that yeah, you know, you still need to actually sell this much beer to pay the bills this month. So, um, and that I think that certainly does affect you. Yeah, stress physically, yeah, um, can be a bit mentally as well. So, um, yeah, so in hindsight, maybe I could have done things a bit differently in that regard. Um, but yeah, I guess I'm an engineer and a brewer. But I'm certainly <laughs> not a Business. I'm certainly not a no. businessman, so I think that's where you start to see these some some very smart partnerships coming through with some of these other breweries that are starting Ying up and, and going now. That you've that you've yeah you've got a brewer, you've got a you've got a business manager, and then you yep. do marketing. Yeah, there's so many facets. It's it's not just um, making killer beers that, that taste awesome and and doing some sexy Instagram posts. I mean that that all <laughs> helps, but um, yeah. And mate, what you're saying here. It- it's it's not news to me because I've heard this a few times, um, yeah. but I think sometimes people that are going into this like you did need to think about this a little bit more. That it's it's so sexy doing what you want to do, follow your dreams, create this brewery, and honestly, it's, it's one of the reasons why I've never actually done it myself. I would have loved to have done it, but I know I'm not good enough in the brewing side of things. Uh, I'm I'm a marketer, uh, but mm, I, re- mm. I recognise my shortcomings and shortcomings in in what I want to do with that in terms of the Tasmanian market at the time too. That's why I've never jumped in. But, you know, I think people often get so wrapped up in, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm brewing beer. It's going to be great. People are going to be getting drunk off my beer. It's so awesome. That <laughs> at the end of the day, it really is a business. And there are there are watch outs in there, whether it's the fact that you don't know all about the, the whole business that you're going into or whether you are so passionate and so driven and perhaps a little bit, you know, blind that you literally just wipe yourself out you get cooked because you're just trying so hard to make this thing a success yeah it, it is that is there's it's definitely out there chris there's also um you know there's a little bit of uh shit what's everyone else doing you got to try and keep keep up and keep pushing the yep. boundaries keep keep bringing out new things so um and i certainly felt that when we had the tap room going it was like okay you know shit what's that next beer we're going to push out what's that you know even if it's a small batch single keg bang just keep just keep pushing that, pushing the socials. Just, just hoping that that'll um, result in more people coming in the front door. So, um, yeah, it's it's it's. Um, I, I think like like many of these things, it's um, 
and you know we can probably blame social media a fair bit on that too in terms mm. of that everyone's putting on their bravest face and putting in their showing their best side but it's um yeah it, it's a tough game and now in saying that i think they're still um you know if someone's got the ability to throw themselves into it full time yep um which i didn't have the luxury of doing but that's cool um and if you're in a good location i certainly think a well-run taproom is definitely going to support a, going to support yourself and your family so yeah, that little caveat there. Um, but then there's a lot of things that, that flow onto that in terms of, um, you know, there's going to be a bit of cash and capital outlay you're going to need to put in there and there's going to yep. be some long hours. Um, but, yeah, there's and, – and like you said earlier, there's also some so many great people in the industry that um, yeah. you're all competitors, but, um, but everyone's there to help each other too. So, yeah. Yep, yep. So – in making the change and pulling back from the tap room, which is also your barrel fermenting room as well, I suppose, for a better way of putting it, has that changed the business model and, and the, the beers that you're producing? Like, do you have less opportunity now that you you like? I don't know. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, you're, you're brewing with funky yeast and all that sort of thing. Immediately, yep. you can't do that in a, a normal type brewery that's producing those four beers, the pale, the stout, the, you know, the yeah. lager. Like, Correct. what changes? Chris, I've still got my, my six by nine shed. I've got a, yeah, there's not much room to get into my shed at the moment. There's still um, still got eight different barrels of sour things, funk, yeah, growing away, souring, getting funky yep. in there. So um, those ones actually haven't moved since we when we started the brewery. It started in the shed and it's, and it's back in the shed now. So, um so I guess the sour and the funky program is exclusively within the walls of uh, the six by nine at home. Okay. Um, and the you know, I guess the cleaner beers, you know the you know the hoppy IPAs, the black IPA we did a little while ago. Um, yeah, the, the Belgian uh, things like that. But even even talking to various breweries, um, even saisons get a bit more difficult too sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, with a diastatic yeast <coughs> in there because it can. Um, I think caustic is a wonderful thing, and you can you can clean and kill anything. But um, <laughs> other commercial breweries don't necessarily want to push that through their canning lines and things like that. So. Yeah, well, I think that was an issue that maybe East Coast Canning were dealing with when they sort of early started doing this thing that they they wouldn't want to can the the funky beers because they were <laughs> thought it might ruin the next bloke's beer afterwards. Yeah, I had some. We we did some mobile canning early on in the day from um, it wasn't East Coast. It was um, pro canning. Uh, so Kyle and the team from ProCanning came over a few times and they were happy to um, – we had some of our Brett beers in, in fermenters and, yeah, um, they, went out, they went on canned some, some, other, some other SA breweries that same week and all their beers were fine. So yeah, okay. Just, just shows you that a bit of sanny and a heap of caustic is a wonderful thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, being that we're thirty odd minutes into this thing, we haven't actually talked about the beers that you brew. Really, <laughs> maybe it's time to. I've been, uh, name, I've been name dropping a few. Yeah, on purpose. <laughs> yeah. so let's let's get into the now then. Um, you you, you, you know, did ask me if I'd done these before. It's like yeah, I've been, I know a little bit about marketing. So I'm just on. I'm just finding like I'm I'm going all over the place tonight, but I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's been great. That's so right. I don't care. This is how my brain works all over the place. <laughs> so nothing wrong um, with that. Don't apologise. <laughs> the beer. So you're an engineer. I'm thinking that from the absolute day one, you had thought all this out, you know, through to the really fine detail. But what was the initial vision for the lineup, the the core range, all that sort of stuff? Was there one, or was it sort of filling it as you nah, went along? There wasn't. There was. Oh, it was almost anti core. It was almost anti core. Okay. It was, um, 
Uh, so our first beer was um, was Rocky Rye. So uh, that was our Brett Pale Ale, uh, Brett Rye Pale Ale. Um, and uh, yes, yeah, so that was all Brett Ferment. Um, yeah, named after a, a first family dog that mum and dad had so uh, many years ago. Um, and from there, it was just almost what I feel like brewing now. Because um, at that point, I was Left Barrel was fresh on the scene and there was less breweries in, in SA and, and in Australia then than there was now. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it just keeps exploding. We're yeah. approaching, yeah. approaching 800 now. Yep. Um, I'm not sure what we were sitting at five years ago. Um, I'm, I'm going to take a stab and say that we're probably, oh, I'd, I'd say it's doubled in the last five years maybe, mm, I reckon, yeah, as yeah. a stab. Yeah, yeah, it feels about that. It feels it could be about that. So, yeah, and no, I look in terms of a of, of a lineup. Um, should I have to go through the? First, I mean, there was I think there was a there was certainly a paleo back in the duck hunter paleo came in there reasonably oh, yes, early. Yeah. Um, but you know the alpaca amber because our neighbours have got a, um, alpacas out the back and and that sat quite well. So the the alpaca amber and the rocky ride they were the two first beers and they were Brett beers. Um, but then there was you know Brett Imperial Stouts. Um. Yeah, the sours, obviously, yeah, the Pelicosis Gold and Red, so that's the yep. barrel-aged sours. Um, all those were um, uh, packaged at home in long necks and then um, all still with, you know, with, with the sugar sugar mi- mixed in, packaged, sealed, and then just, yeah, sell them until they sort of carved up slowly. Yep. Um, that's real classic home brew Brett. style. Oh, mate, similar with the um, I'd have mates in my shed and we'd have the production line going. It's similar for all the bottled stuff, so it was all bottled back then. Um, yep. And we'd fill a metal IBC crate size of stubbies as well. So we'd do 50 or 60 cartons in a day. I'd put beers on. I'd put um, yeah, put beers and barbecue on. And you hope to smash out sort of 50 cartons in a day, which is just crazy now when you look at what we can do in a canning. Yeah. You go to someone's canning line. Um, yeah, we did. 120 odd cases in just a, just a few hours at Little Bang a yep. few months back. So yep. um, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? But, oh um, God! And and probably like the the quality of the beer that's going into the can and out of the and by the time it's actually getting to the lips of the consumer, it's like it's so much better too. That's just oh, cans have just yeah, revolutionised yes no. I mean, it. Yeah, the yeah in terms of freshness and about drink it straight off the line, yes. But in terms of um, stability, carving up in the in the um and in the bottle, um. And for our small batches in the can, which we can touch on in a minute, um, it's really good because it's actually stripping that oxygen out of the headspace. Oh, so, okay. Yep. Um, it's it's actually really good for for stability. I find. Um, yeah, you get a little bit of yeast in the bottom, but I think um, uh, people can work around that if, uh, if they probably tip it into another stubby and then go and grow their own. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of our small batch canned stuff is well, sorry, all of our small batch canned stuff now is canned at home here um and that's similar to the to the old homebrew so um oh, look at you got a can of yes yeah, so i've got a i've got an october i've got an october uh can seamer um ah. and i've got a homemade two head filler so it's just sort of light pressure yeah i've pushed melted sugar back into the keg yep one keg at a time 120 cans um and again you, you sit on those for a, a few weeks or more depending on the temperature um Depending if my wife lets me bring them inside, where it's a bit warmer. <laughs> um, and then uh, I actually got a couple of great videos of my daughter um, helping me can- um, label the other day. So uh, nice. Uh, she's a you know, three and a half year old playing with a, a label, a single can label. So you put the can in, and you pull the handle down, and yep, um, good fun. So um, 
so yeah, that sort of small batch. It's it's, it's labor intensive, but keeps a brand out there. It's um, yeah. I was pushing out some little things I like playing around with. So it's yeah. not because I was I was checking out Untapped today, and I just noticed that it looks like every four to six weeks you've got a new beer or thereabouts being released onto there. Is that sort of how things are rolling for for Left Barrel now? Um. Oh look! To be honest, once we'd closed the tap room, it was there was a bit of a relief there, and um, I took a bit of time off. So yep. we still had a bit of stock wheel moving, um, and I've got uh, uh, Mick from uh, Overpour. Uh, he's he's our he's he's repping for us in SA. Uh, so he's 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 pushing beers out. He he runs a few other labels as well, but he's running ours um, in terms of venues. So that's another thing that that was sort of stressing me out a little bit back in the day was you know because you're pushing you're pushing wholesale. Yep. You're running a tap room, trying to maximize your retail, et cetera. So, um, so I mean, yeah, it's timely that we're having this this podcast now because we've done the IPA. Uh, the, we did the black IPA for winter and we did the Belgian dark strong. Um, and I've got, yeah, Pelicosis Red is going to start sneaking out in small batch now-ish. Um, and I've got a little, uh, the Grim Reaper, which is our red neeper. Um, oh, cool. So it's a bit of a bit of a piss take on the name. Um, yep. R E I P A. So it's a red. Yep. Red. Yeah, a bit, bit high business, and most of the boys do it. But um, so I guess that'll be four in four or five months. But yeah, okay. um, but look, there might be another period where it's a one or two months, or I'm not going to do anything. Yeah. So so um, so has COVID has it done one or two things? Has it helped you? Maybe obviously you had to shut the tap room, come up with a new new plan, yeah. which which might actually be beneficial to you, where you might get to do. Perhaps more of this, you know, online stuff, which which might be, you know, lower lower costs for you. And has it also then allowed you to recapture your love of brewing a little bit? Because you can't be doing everything all the time. And as you say, you're making stuff that you want to make. And often that's forgotten in all this thing is that you're going into this. Yeah, you want to make money, but because you fucking love it and it's fun and you just mm. want to make great beer. Has it has it helped you recapture some of that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's still a. In some ways, it's still a recovery process for me yep. at the moment. So it's still um, easing back into it. Um, but I guess there's less pressure there to push beers out. So it's around yep. something that might inspire me. I'll push. You know, I'll push that um, when things in barrels are ready. Um, not that I've ever rushed a beer, especially in a barrel, out. Um, you know, if it's not ready. Or if it's shit, it gets dumped. Um, uh, or if it's a bit bland, but something's a bit too full on, maybe there's a blend opportunity there. Um, so I guess the, that's the beauty of barrels. I mean, in, a, you know, in, in, in many respects, in a perfect world, I'd love to have that 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 big big warehouse space where you just got a shit ton of barrels and yeah, um, you know, that's an art form in itself, isn't it? Just the knowing what to blend and when to blend it. Style sort of yeah, just 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 barrels everywhere. Maybe some big oak photos for your other stuff, but. Um, uh, whether that's a pipe dream or something, something in the future, we'll see. Um, but yeah, so definitely, it would have etched a little bit out of the passion. I think just the extra stress of running, running the business. Yep. You know, family commitments, work, all that stuff. Yep. So, um, and but when you're in it, you don't see it. Yeah. Well, that's where I find it. Yep. You just you just keep your head down. You just keep powering through. Yep. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly uh, healthier, not having that stress now. So That's good. Yeah. physically, a bit mentally, um, yeah, if that makes sense. So, yeah, 
Yeah, um, but but, I, but it's hard when you when you're in the depths of it, and um, yeah, you just you just what's the saying? Yeah, you just um, yeah. How do you eat a, an elephant? It's just one bite at a time. I think yeah, or something, isn't it? yeah. So, well, yeah. This is this is not what I was expecting the chat to go like tonight. Not that it's been a bad thing. I think it's it's a good, real, open, honest account of you know the stress of of doing this thing and um, you know. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to scare anyone out of it. Oh no, uh, no, no, but I'm, I'm just saying it, it can take a toll. It's almost like we should have yeah. had this on Are You Okay Day or something like that. You know that sometimes when you go into this thing and you you want to do everything yourself, sometimes you just need a little bit of help. And whether it's your wife or yeah. or other yeah. people or whatever, it's okay to ask for it. Yeah, oh, look, and I had had help there. It was, um, but you still tend to take a bit a lot of that. Yep. That that stress onto your shoulders. Um, so yeah, yeah. So I'm certainly not trying to dampen anyone's uh, attempts on doing such things, but um, learn from others and um, yeah, go into it with with open eyes and yeah, other business partners probably. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, as they say, it's not always beer and skittles, is it? Mm, correct. Chasing your dreams. Yeah. yeah, no, fair enough. Correct. Um, Let's switch gears a little bit because I wanted to touch on it and you mentioned it before, um, some of the the cans that you've had that have all had these amazing illustrations linked with them. I've seen the yeah. rabbit dog, the duck with the gun, the one-eyed cat, the alpaca, and there's there's more. Uh, they are so intricate and just amazing. Uh, who's who's the artist behind those? Yeah, so um, uh, Drew Coleman, whose handle is Alpha Manta on Instagram, so definitely give him a follow and give him a like. Um Drew and I met judging homebrew, as you do. Is um, ah. uh, well at, at the time I was I was still a, a homebrewer myself. Um, but as you, yeah, enter a heap of beers and and judge a heap of other beers. It's great. Yeah. Um, uh, and the great great community as well. So so many um guys and girls that are just passionate about making great beer. So we were sitting on the same table together. Um, got chatting in between beers as you do, and I am I'm looking at starting a label soon. He goes, oh. I'm an, I'm an artist. I do a bit of stuff, do a bit of funky stuff, and show me a couple of images on his phone, and boom. Um, nice. Yeah, Rocky Rye was his first one. Um, did the logo, did the left arrow logo. Oh, so, yeah. um, and pretty much every beer can, the, the Belgian Dark Strong was just the outline. So I had a crack at that one, but um, yeah, like the the metal stuff for the IPAs, um, Pelicos has got some real funky yeast he's drawn on there. But um, yeah, I just give him a loose brief saying, look. There's a few animals in some of our themed beers. So, you yeah, know, Rocky Rise, sort of like that, uh, uh, real funky, lots of different parts of dogs all spread yeah, through like, the way it's he's got done like it. five eyes and big gnashing teeth. Yeah. That's <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, is that, or is it, you're thinking, oh, it's Cerberus, the, um, the oh, which one? one. Yeah, so that's got the, that's got the six eyes and the, and the big tongue with the butterfly at the back. Um, yeah, the butterfly. What the, what the fuck was the butterfly for? I didn't quite pick <laughs> up on that. <laughs> Don't. So look, I'm not an artist either, so uh, I'm an engineer. But um, I think the idea is to have he'd sneak in these little supporting animals just as a bit of a just to take the piss. Know, whether it's a bit of a distraction, but just something else to balance sometimes the drawing. So yeah. um, I think if you look on the sourpuss, which is the cat with the with the one eye yep. closed, um, I think there's a bird on the hat or on the tail, um, and. Uh, like the our, our Russian imperial stout, the Siberian the Siberian roast. Um, it's this sort of uh, Russian bear with a big you know, Russian soul hat. Yep. He's got a little squirrel. He's got a squirrel on the shoulder. So, um, and look, I just let Drew have fun with it. He, um, yeah, it's for me part of that was that, I guess that was probably the biggest marketing thing for me was um, when you see our cans on the shelf, you're probably not going to even see left barrel. You're just going to see 
It's funny. Yeah, I'm hoping they're, gonna, they're just going to show something like that on there and you have to actually pick the can up. Yep. Work it see out. See what it is. Yeah. And in theory, you've picked it up. Shit, you might as well buy it. Yeah. It looks that good. It's going to taste fucking awesome. So. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, you need, to, you need to pull out those illustrations and display them in some way on the website because I, I was trying to find little, you know, sort of a few little Instagram-y type ones yeah. and a few yep. backgrounds on the website, but oh, they're the amazing pieces of work. The website needs some work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. <laughs> All in good time, mate. All in good time. <laughs> so, um, do you often talk to your mates at Little Bang about arcs? I know they're they're big on the art too, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I guess our discussions are probably on that side have been more around um, also the finish and the quality and not being able to get such cool stuff on a printed can, especially at their scale. Oh, yeah. So yep. essentially they're still going with labels. Yeah. Um, you can get that laser printing. Yeah. Make it really pop. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're up to 20 or 30-odd core beers now they do. So, um, Shit. Massive. Yeah. Yeah, no, doing crazy things. Yeah, yeah. bloody hell, <laughs> bloody hell. Um, that- yeah, so that's, I guess from that marketing, it's, yeah. I, yeah, I guess this, this, this yeah, this little uh, left, left barrel gig was never a, um, never looking to, to go massive and take over the world. Um, yeah, it was about having fun and pushing out the beers I want to do, so. Yeah. Um, look, I, if, it, I, if it becomes to that, so be it. But yeah. Yeah. I, I do this uh, podcast just to have great conversation with top blokes like yourself, but also I'd like to think that at some stage along the way I've, I've helped a few people with, with bits and pieces, whether it's to tell their story or sell beer or whatever the case may be. What, what can we as punters do to help Left Barrel uh, live to see another day? Like is it jumping online? Can we order online merch beer or are we yep. if we're in yep. South Australia, what, what are we doing? Um, well, look, if you're in South I mean, it, all, all around the country, we can certainly pop, push out, um, uh, jump on our website, see what we've got available. So we'll do, a, we'll, I'll launch occasional mixed cases every now and then. Um, for our bigger beers, we're doing sort of half cartons or we do full cartons of other things that we've got in stock. Um, but yeah, because I'm doing a limited range, limited releases, the mixed cartons are probably, uh, they'll probably be sort of eight cans of three different types That's in a carton, cool. for example. Yep. Um, Merch, I've sort of just wound back a little bit, got a little bit of stuff in stock. But um, again, it's that ta- not a tactical retreat, but a tactical withdrawal for now, and just sort of uh, keeping our toe dipped in the water, sort of thing. So, yep. but yeah, look on, on online for the store. But look, if your local bottle shop uh, is keen to get us in, just just hit me up through the website direct. So, my contact details are on there. So, yep. um, we'll leave a link. Yeah, we've- to the website in the. Uh- in the show notes and awesome, tell them how to get awesome. to your shop and yeah. uh, be great to see you in another 12 months time, you know, having taken this little sort of quiet dip and then just go strength to strength and smash it out in a new location and still producing awesome beers would be great. Yeah, well, there's certainly potential there. I've certainly been speaking to at least one investor that's um, that's keen, but in my mind I don't want to be – I can't see anything happening until, you know, the, the might of COVID sort of hopefully yeah. well beyond us. Yep. Um, just this economic climate. so. Um. Yeah, once bitten, twice shy. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those so. things I, I know from and uh, and you know another life career, whatever. Um, talking to some friends that you know investors right now are kind of um, COVID has really got them just like feeling shit about investing and things like that. And it's a really bad time mm. to be asking people to invest in businesses. They're a bit bit over things. So hopefully, once that clears, yeah. you know, mate, you, you do a crowdfunding. Everybody's doing crowdfunding right now. <laughs> yeah, no, so I'll, we'll just hold on that sort of thing at the moment. So, um, um, uh, yeah, no, uh, no, good, good luck to anyone who's, who's 
who's, who's prepping. Yeah, uh, mates of mine, James, James over at Shapeshifter, they've just they just launched yep. their tap for him this weekend. So, um, I did see that. Yeah, uh, yeah, they'll do. They'll do well. Um, people love those hazies. So, uh, yeah, I had a, had a great chat well. with him a while ago about the art of gypsy brewing. He was he was a great guest. Absolutely great. Yeah, yeah. So him and his uh, partner both did the the longer version, the current Steve yes. Nelson take course. So, yep. Um, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, mate, um, it's been a, a pretty uh, up and down ride for you, I suppose, uh, in terms of this whole this whole thing. What's your, what's your one piece of advice you're going to give to someone who's you know thinking of jumping into the uh, the funky side of craft beer? Well, I guess I always semi jokingly tell everyone just don't do what I do. So, um, <laughs> but I say semi jokingly because I'm yeah, it wasn't a there was no formal business plan. Yeah, we scratched out a few few. A few a few words on a bit of paper, but then we put it back in the top drawer and never looked at it again. So it was yep. really around making those beers I want to do. Um, I guess the uh, one of the key things to would be to to get a decent get some decent brewing pedigree behind you if you're looking to looking to jump into this. So um, you know, I've, I had a couple of hundred home brews under my belt at least um, batches, not 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 single bottles. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I had the BJCP education there around around beer styles and and faults and things like that. Um, and and those those TAFE courses and and things like that are just absolutely priceless. So, yep. um, but yeah, I think it's yeah, it, it's easy for us to for, easy for me to sort of say what what left barrel is and what we want to do. Um, and I guess like any any business company, you you need to have some kind of motto or, or clear. Uh, not business plan, but what are the, what's what I'm looking for? A motto or or um, mantra? Yeah, maybe a mantra. Yeah, mantra <laughs> could be a good one. So yeah, yeah. I was going to say values, but it's not really values. It's the um, a mission. Yeah, yeah. What's your mission statement? Yeah. So yeah, which sounds awful. It sounds like a like it does sounds so corporate, than, doesn't it? Rather than just make good beer, but, but mate, it's, but it's eight, a, eight or nine hundred breweries that are doing great beer yeah, at the moment. So, it's yeah. exactly that thing what we were talking about before that people get so hooked up into the romantic side of things that sometimes some of the shitty business stuff that it just gets pushed to the side or forgotten about or uh, not focused on and at the end of the day, this this is a business that we're operating in and um, it yeah. is awesome, it is fun, but it also can uh, make or break people. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is that way. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think. It uh, definitely takes some time for yourself in amongst all that for for people that are that are that are yeah deep in in, in that side of business. So yeah. um yeah yeah I've, I've yeah I was, I was certainly um yeah I certainly wasn't you know near near breaking point or anything like that. But after being able to step away from that and not and take those stresses away, I could I could just see that difference in in me. Yep. So yeah. I can see clearly now that sort of thing. <laughs> And look, it's more more time with little one as well at home, which is great. So it's always good too. It's always yeah. good. Well, mate, um, thanks thanks tonight for being so open and honest with things. As I said, it wasn't quite the chat Sorry. that I was expecting, but I think it's a really really great story just to show that there's all all different sorts of stories. You know, the great successes, the great failures, and things, everything in between in here. And you fit somewhere along those lines. And as I said, I hope I hope you get um, this time to sort of have a bit of a think, maybe pull that business plan out of the drawer and tweak it a little bit and uh, come back uh, <laughs> bigger and stronger. And, uh, look, I'll certainly sure that everybody that listens to the Beer Healer interviews will will jump on and, and check out your site. 
hopefully they can uh, put their hand in their pocket and help you out because um, you know from what I, what I've heard you you're very good at what you do and uh, yeah it'll be a shame to see you disappear because I think uh, South Australia needs as many great brews as it can right now um, great part of the uh, world so Chris it's um, yeah no, look um, oh look it's certainly it's certainly a passion um, so yeah I don't think we're going anywhere just yet so um, it's great it's uh, but yeah, it's been it's been a hell of a ride so far. So um, yeah, it's sort of two years wholesale, three years with a tap room, and um, uh, well, I guess I think we're about five years old this this month actually, maybe give yep. or take. So um, from when we first launched our first beer, so um, yeah, no, we'll still be putting along, just having cool. some fun with it. So uh, uh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah, it's good to good to have some fun, mate. You can do it. Thanks for sharing tonight. I appreciate it. Uh, cheers to great beers. No worries. Looking forward to uh, yeah hearing some more of your podcast too, mate. So, yeah. Cheers, mate. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.